Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Open up to John chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 15. I believe I have a word for you guys today as we jump into our Ghosted series. Huh? All about relationships. I believe God's going to speak to you today. How many of you guys are ready for the Word of God today? Huh? Are you guys hungry? Yeah? Doesn't sound like it. Are you guys hungry? Amen. Because what I found is that if you're hungry, you find food. Right? If you're hungry, you start to get creative. This is the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and some of you guys have been doing some Daniel fast where you haven't eaten any meat or eaten any sweets, and you're like, man, I don't know how many different ways I've looked up how to cook a steak over these last 21 days. Or some of you guys have been fasting, you start looking at your cupboard saying, wow, crackers, yes. <laughs> what I found is that if you're hungry for the word of God, everything's good, everything's good not even just the great scriptures, but even the kind of ones that are a little bit hard to receive. Everything's good, because you can find food if you're looking for it, amen? Amen. Sharing from you, John chapter 15. John's chapter 15 verse, we're gonna start in, we're gonna start in verse nine. Uh, we'll start in verse seven. Sorry guys, we don't have that here. It says, verse 7, chapter 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may have joy that joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. My command is this, and this is what we have scripture for. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. So he's, he's equating the, the, the joy of, of the Lord to his commands, which is love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Say these words, say I'm chosen. And appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other love each other as the father has loved me so i love you now i tell you love each other as we dive into our relationship series ghosted and before you make your way to your seat how about you turn to your neighbor and say these words say neighbor oh that was not convincing whatsoever some of you are like they were looking at me was i supposed to still keep talking say neighbor it's not you it's me, it's me. Come on, as you make your way to your seat, why don't you give someone a high five? Amen. Amen, amen.
jumping into our new collection of talks called Ghosted. Just to give you guys kind of a little reference, some of you like ghosted, like was this like, I was thinking like this might be a Holy Spirit message or something like that. That's for another time. That's for tonight. <laughs> pray for us, encounter night, 6 p.m. Let's encounter God. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray for each other. You got, come, come and uh, we'll be able to pray for you and be able to encounter God as we worship him and pray for this city. But ghosted is actually a term used by uh, millennials, Sorry, Gen Z, you took it from us. Millennials, and it's the term of if I text someone or I reach out to them and they don't return my reply. Or even if I'm in the middle of a conversation and I ask a question and I don't get anything in return. That's the term where ghosted comes from. It's like, well, they ghosted me. I reached out to them or I've been talking to them and then just talking. It's, it's for sales calls as well. Sales calls, they call it a little bit different. It's a... What do they call that? When you, when you reach out to them, you have a lead. Pain. They call it pain. A dead call. A cold call. Well, you cold call and you have a lead. And then once you tell them the price, then they just stop talking to you and stop returning their calls. That's ghosted. And I felt like today that I wanted to prepare a message for you guys. And I felt God say, hey, um, come and sit at the table with me. That I, I'm going to talk to you not as a, a preacher but as a pastor and as a friend in terms of how to have healthy relationships. Not even just have that, how to have healthy relationships, but have a healthy outlook on yourself in the midst of relationships. And so we have Jesus saying, hey, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. But I wanna ask you the question, how has Jesus loved us? When we say that this is love, that he laid down his life for us, in the confines of Jesus laying down his life for us, he laid it down to restore something that was broken. And what was broken was our relationship with him. So he's saying in order for us to have a restored relationship with him, he had to be God the Father coming down in the form of a man to, to lay down his life to restore relationship with us. So love each other as I have loved you. Well, he loved us by laying down his life for us. So now he's saying, yo, look at each other and lay down your life for one another. In essence, what he's saying is he's creating a way for forgiveness to happen. There's a way for forgiveness to happen. And I don't know about you, but everywhere I go, I don't see a whole lot of love and forgiveness around this nation right now, or let alone around the world. I mean, all you gotta do is pull up that Facebook, that Facebook, and the gram, and the, and the, the chat, and the talk tick. And you get on that, and, not so much the talk tick, the TikTok, I just played. But you'll be able to see all sorts of hate that is going on and on. And I feel like the church is supposed to be the answer to the world's problems. And I believe that sometimes, though, we can even bring the world's problems into the church. And we don't look anything different than the world. You see, I see a lot of churches fighting with each other. And we have a world that is fighting with each other. And sometimes I see the church fighting with each other. And I don't want to build a church that fights with each other or even fights with other churches. I want to build a church that fights for each other. Like, do you look at the person next to you and you say, I'm going to fight for you. Like, I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to fight for your marriage. I'm going to fight for your parenting. I'm going to fight for your work. I'm going to fight for your own relationship with God. That when you're feeling low, I can help encourage you and pick you back up. Like, I'm going to be the type of person that I'm going to fight for you. So do we, do we consider that when we come into the house of God together that this isn't just people, 
These aren't just friends, these are family. Like, I'm gonna fight for you. And do you consider that, or is this just a person that you're sitting next to? Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, I would expect you to fight for your spouse. And some, sometimes we don't want to. But even just considering this church as a collective, that we fight for one another. Because what I found is that if we say that we love one another, but if we don't fight for that love, what kind of love do we really have? Let's say that again. If we say that we love one another, but if we don't fight for that love, what kind of love do we really have? See, learning to fight for each other is the heart of Jesus' ministry. Because when he said that he will build his church, he understood that his church would be full of people. He didn't say, I'm gonna build my buildings and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'll build my church, that's a full of people. Ecclesia, it's a people of God, the gathering. The people are not, but understand today that when he said he will build his church, he also knew that people are not perfect. In fact, it is a testament to how good God is because he chooses to work with broken and busted up people. And so if you expect perfection in the house of God, sorry to break it to you, but it's only a matter of time before you're gonna be disappointed because we are a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God, pursuing God together. Now I say this, that it's not a matter of if my wife Kelly and I will let you down as pastors of this church, it's only a matter of when because there's gonna be a message or a conversation that'll come up that maybe we'll push your buttons just a little bit. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I don't necessarily know if, if, that's, if, that's, if that's right or if that's wrong. There would be some things that we're going to, to push because we're gonna challenge you. I mean, who wants to just go to a church that doesn't challenge you? No one, right? Like, I don't wanna just go to a church where I come in and out never the same. In order to change, you have to be challenged, right? The vow that we make to you is that we'll never do it on purpose to disappoint you. But it's inevitable. It's probably gonna happen. Sorry to break it to you. Just trying to clear up, make some space, you know, for next week. You know, that's what they, you know, just trying to think through that. But I'm here to help you today, and, and I, I wanna have a conversation about how to have good relationships, because we all want good relationships, right? Right? I mean, no, I don't want, there's one guy in the back, like, I don't need no relationships. I like football, and I just watch football all day. We all want good relationships, and I want to give you some practical steps on how to have healthy relationships in your life. I just want to share a few things, not that I have it all figured out, but what I found in relationships is that the idea that it's not you, it's me, is, is most likely a cop-out to get out of a relationship. But what if it was actually the opposite, that in order to have good relationships, you are better off focusing on what you can control and praying about what you can't? And see, you can control yourself. When you say it's not you, it's me, can I tell you, that's not really just a way to get out of a relationship because if I were to go up to someone and say it's not you, it's me, basically nothing they can do can change my mind. That's just what people say to, to make basically like checkmate, we're out of this relationship. But to take a moment to actually focus on yourself isn't necessarily a bad thing because you can't control other people. You can't control the person next to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, and if it's your spouse, that's fine. And say these words. Say, I can't control you. Because you can't control the person next to you. And some of you guys are like, I've been waiting for you to say that for years. <laughs> I can't control you. I can't control you. I can't control anyone in this room. And it would actually be wrong for me to do that. And you can't control anyone else, but you know who you can control? Yourself. You see, you can control your attitude. 
You can control your thoughts. You can control how you perceive people. You look for the better, not the worse. You can give to people even when it's not reciprocated. And I want to be able to give you some very practical steps and healthy relationships and how to control yourself, not other people. And this is one thing that I found very helpful for me is that we're all perceiving other people and what other people do all the time. And we make judgments on them. We prejudge them on their motivations of why they did certain things. I want you to write this down, that when you see someone's actions, you cannot judge their heart's intentions. You cannot do that because you don't know what's going on in their heart. Well, he bought me flowers again. Wonder what he wants. Well, she cleaned up the house again or she, she took me out to this, this fancy restaurant that I like because I like Texas Roadhouse and I like some steak. She wants to maybe go buy something now. And so you're reading into a heart's intention. And if you're always reading into heart's intention, you can never receive it for what it really is. So when someone says that I love you, well, why do you love me? Because <laughs> you're trying to find out, can you just hear it for what it is? Can you see it for what it is? Rather than reading, you enter dangerous ground because it's God's permission and God's right to judge the heart. Proverbs 21, 2 says this, that every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. You see, when we're judging other people's intentions, we say words like, you didn't mean that when you said, I'm sorry. See, God weighs the heart. You did that to get back at me. You did that on purpose. Or you did that to be noticed. And when we try to judge the why of an act, we enter sacred ground because God is the only one who can judge the heart of man. And when we're talking about having good relationships, I just want to be able to shoot some advice your way. Like, be careful of whose voice you give real estate to in your life. So when someone else speaks to you and talks to you like, hey, they just did that because they just want to be noticed. Or they just did that because they actually have an ulterior motive on why they were so nice to you. Or even your own voice in your life. Because what I found is that we can be our own worst enemy. And I'm sorry to break it to you here, but you are not a good counselor to yourself. Newsflash. Sometimes it's important for you not even just to get around friends that agree with you all the time. Maybe a true friend is actually a person that tells you what's up and doesn't just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe so-and-so. I can't believe that they would do that to you. Oh, your boss? Oh, let me tell you about my boss. And they just go back and forth. Now, some of that chatter is okay. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but when you start to have some, some self-talk on yourself about I can never get ahead or I'm never gonna figure this out or we're never gonna get back together as a husband and a wife and then you start singing that song, rather than your friends singing that song with you, they say, hey, I think God can turn this around. And they don't cater to your, your depression, they don't cater to your anxiety, but they actually call you to rise above it. And I tell you, sometimes that's a, better friend than one that just agrees with you and everything. So be careful about whose voices you give to real estate in your life because understand that you will find an opportunity if you look for an opportunity and you will find an offense if you look for an offense because some people have different motives on why they're saying things to you and even in your head you have motives on what you're looking for. If I'm having a conversation, did you see that smirk that she did at me? Did you see that? She must haven't have gotten over that thing that happened two and a half years ago. 
between us. And you start to read into the, it's almost to my detriment that I walk past people thinking that everyone's having a great day. And, I'm, and I go up to them and I greet them. Uh, and, and I'm just reading into people, not, not in a negative way, but just in a positive way. Because I'm trying to, to see opportunity that's happening in people's lives. Like, you're gonna find it if you look for it. I know the story of a man, he was on a diet and he wanted the Lord to help him with his diet. And he used to go to this donut shop all the time. He would drive by it every day on the way to work. And after losing about 10 pounds, he looked to God and he said, God, you know, if you want me to stop doing this diet, I pray that you would just like open up a, 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 seat, a, a, a parking spot right in the front and then I'll know that you're okay with me getting done with this diet. Well, every day he drove by and said, well, God's not done. Don't see an open parking spot yet. Don't see an open parking spot yet. And then one day, wouldn't you guess it, found an open parking spot right in front of the building. And he said, God, you've spoken. Because what I found is that, just to make light of it, is that you will find what you're looking for. If you find, look for opportunity, even in the business sector, like just take this for a moment, that if you say that I will never be able to get this job, guess what? You will never be able to get that job. If you say this is just a, a rewiring of your brain that is very practical, if you're looking to afford something, let's say you have a dream car, like a Corvette C8, just saying. <laughs> let's say you have something that you really want. And you say, I will never be able to afford that. Guess what? You right. You will never be able to afford that. But when you ask the question to yourself, it's just very practical thinking here. When you ask yourself, you say, how can I afford that? You actually start to develop pathways in your brain that start to look for opportunities on how to afford it. Different ways of passive income, different ways to bring in revenue, different job ideas, different opportunities. Your brain starts to look for them. But when you say, I will never be able to afford that. Guess what? You've already put a dead end, a stopper on that brain activity. And the brain's like, okay, I'll never be able to. And when you say that we will never, ever, ever, T. Swift was wrong, my friend. Because when you say never in your head, your brain puts a stop at that, and you will never be able to find a way. And this is the same that even if you're starting looking for opportunities and your brain rewires, how can I find a way to afford that? And you're looking for ways to find opportunity, you will also find ways to be offended. And you will see the towel on the floor as if he doesn't care about you. You will see the bed not made or you will see the, the car left on E again as if she doesn't care about you. Because if you're looking for offense, you will find it. And if you're looking for a way to receive blessing, you will find it. Even the simplest things, the simplest things. So I just wanna help encourage you in that regard. Uh, but even, even having the idea of who you let into your life and you give real estate in your mind, uh, understand in Proverbs thirteen twenty, it says this, that walk with the wise and you become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. So walking with the wise person, so Find someone that has something that you want, whether a way that they think, whether a great marriage, whether a great business mind, whether they're just a great friend, and start hanging around that person. You will find that you will start to become like them, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Basically, you are who you hang out with. And being able to look at your relationships, that's why it's so important to surround yourself with godly men and women of God who challenge you and encourage you. Because I once heard this saying that when you choose friends, you choose health or harm. 
See, it's on you to choose the right relationships and who speaks into your ear. And this is how it ends. Sin and stupid people do not travel alone. And that if you're hanging out with people, you are, that is the product of your life and what it will be. And I wanna take a moment to talk to the parents in here. That parents, do you know the parents of the kids that, you're, that your kids hang out with? Do you know when before you let them go over to your, their friend's house, mommy, I wanna just spend a night at, at, at Jeffrey's house. No offense if your name's Jeffrey. But Jeffrey's parents don't fear God. They don't honor God. And they let all sorts of stuff into their home. But your friend really likes to hang out with Jeffrey. Tell you what, my kids are not allowed to spend the night at any house of which I do not approve of and know their parents. I need to know their parents and who they are because I know that that child will start to influence my child in a way that I don't want them to go. This is just real practical advice that I wanna be able to give you. And another thing to be careful about, be careful about uh, being invited into another person's offense. Being invited into another person's offense, it's really easy. Now, if you come to me with offense, I'm gonna say, hey, have you talked to that person yet? Well, no, I just figured I would come and I'd vomit on you. No, it doesn't work like that. I will direct you to that person and say, hey, you should probably go talk to that person. Now, it's different. Like, let's say if there's like a real bad offense, like I'm talking something like even sexual or something in nature, then yes, come talk to a pastor. Absolutely come talk to a pastor. But for the most part, I will direct you uh, to that person. This is a difference between a, a abuse and harm versus something that is, uh, uh, they said something mean to me. Does that make sense? So I just wanna give that preference because it can, be, it can get a, a, a little confusing in that. Uh, but even, I love how Paul says this when we're talking about forgiving one another. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.9, he says, another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. So here he's asking, he's trying to see if, if they're gonna stand the test to be obedient, to forgive. He says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit, outwit us. For we are not a, unaware of his schemes. So this is what Paul's saying, is he's saying that forgiveness, by you forgiving, it enables me to forgive. So when I'm carrying someone else's offense, he's saying, hey, listen to this. Forgiveness is contagious. Unforgiveness is also contagious. So when you're going around and you got a beef with your wife or you got a beef with your husband and you're going to your kids and you're like, you know what? Your mom, man, I just don't know how she functions. Or let's say you're separated or divorced. What you're doing is you are tearing down that child's perception of that parent to them. And you're actually creating a barrier. But when you learn how to forgive, you open up a door for other people to forgive. And when you carry unforgiveness, you actually carry up a door for other people to get offended. Don't take the bait of another person's offense. When you do, this is what Paul's saying, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The devil's trying to outwit us. When you do, you invite Satan's influence in your life and he outwits you. When you hang with unforgiveness, it's contagious. Some of the other things I wanna share when talks in regards to offenses is that, that narratives are made up from people who never go to the original source. So when you hear something, that if you don't like what you hear and, and you're not understanding what this person is talking about, you have to take a moment to say, where did you get that from? It's a very good question to ask. Well, I heard about so-and-so. Well, where'd you hear that from? Well, I heard it from so-and-so about so-and-so. Well, who'd that so-and-so hear it from? Well, they heard it from something. 
well, you know what? How about we just right now, let's just call the person and see if that's true and see what's going on. Because I'm going to go to the source. And I'm going to be the type of person that believes people. Because get this. All right. A lot of us have been wounded in here. I felt the air kind of get sucked out of the room. Because we have. And we've learned not to trust. And you have validity to that. And you have strong reason not to trust again. But I want to put this in front of you. That there's certain doors that you can open back up. And certain doors that you should say shut. Yeah, you shouldn't trust that person again that did that to you. You should not. I'm not saying within that regard. But that doesn't mean that you should put your distrust from someone else that has given you to your new friends. And think, well, all guys are like that. All girls are like that. I don't open up anymore because all friends are like that. And so you're painting someone in the picture in a light of your past, and you're never even giving them opportunity to show you how much they really care because you've learned not to trust. And I just want to say, maybe open up that door and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you because I think he will. And learning that, hey, even if this mistrust, this trust is broken again, I'm gonna be able to give it to God. And I may not open the door up back to that person, but taking a moment to give it to God, it doesn't mean that you're gonna shut down your life and stop trusting people. So I just give that to you. Just, I feel like I wanna talk like as a, as a father today, um, just from the, some of the things that I learned. And this is, this is uh, when we're talking about going to the original source, you will have people that will make up stories about you. I will have people that will make up stories about me. I've had a few, even in this short time, they're rather hilarious, but from a third party, no, <laughs> I ain't gonna tell. From a third party, some people could be like, oh, that's ridiculous. How could a pastor do that? Well, it wasn't even true. Just people make up stories. You know, they made up stories about Jesus. Did you know that? In John chapter four, verse one, it says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Jesus learned that the Pharisees heard Hey, we heard about this. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. All they had to do was go up to Jesus and ask him. The dude can't lie. He just had to go up to Jesus and ask him. Go to the source. Go to the source, get the truth, because the truth sets you free. Tell the truth, believe the truth, find the truth, because the truth sets you free. Don't just tell the truth, believe the truth. Believe the best in people. This is one thing that I think that can plague our society is that that's the one thing that we can do is believe in the best in people. Believe the best in your wife. Believe the best in your friends. Yeah, you know, we all have an ugly side. We all have had a time when we've let someone else down. But you know what? I'm gonna choose the best to see the best in you. I'm gonna choose to see the best. It's a choice that you have to make each and every day because if I wanna find things to get offended about, I can get offended right now. Because y'all just watching the worship team coming up to the stage. <laughs> I could get offended by people yawning. But put it this way, okay. All right. I could look at it two ways. I could say, and this is very practical for your life, and I hope it's very helpful. I could look at someone yawning and be like, that person must not be hungry enough. They don't care about the word. Or I can internalize it and say, well, maybe I'm just not engaging enough. 
Or I could think the best of it and say, you know what? I don't really know what's going on in their life. They might have a lot of stress that's keeping them up at night. And it's a privilege even just to have them here. So I'm going to give it my best into them. See, I can't control that. And you can control it in your mind as well. Well, when, she, when, I, when I come home, I have to make a choice. Back when I used to work construction, I, didn't, I haven't said this this service, right? Back when I used to, to work construction, uh, I would come home after a long day, and it would be a hard, long day. And uh, I would sense anxiety and frustration in my, in my heart. And one thing I knew I didn't want to do is I didn't want to go home and put that upon my wife or put that upon my kids because they deserve the best of me, not the worst. But some of us, what we go in is we just go in and just be, we, we, we go to our wife and we say, hey, uh, I don't know. I, I, I can only think of the way that I would think, you know, so I don't know what else I would say. Uh, leave me alone. I'm going, I'm going to go uh, watch TV. And we can completely disengage from our family. Our kids can come up and be like, dad, come on, let's play. No, don't you understand? I had a hard day. And I can internalize all of that stuff, and I actually distance myself from my wife and my kids, all because of something that's going on in me. But if I took a moment to have the self-awareness of my, to know when I'm coming home and feeling the stress, to let my wife know, hey, I'm in the driveway, I need about 20 minutes just to decompress so that when I come in the house, I can give you my full attention. It's being able to have a self-awareness of what is being required of me at that moment. And I know that, 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 that makes a little bit of sense in, in regards to being able to see someone else and being able to hope the best and think the best and wish the best upon someone that even on their bad days, I'm not looking, well, what's wrong with that person? I'm trying to figure out that, but I'm looking at that person and I'm saying, wow, they really need a friend right now. Maybe I can help them. Not that I'm gonna solve everything, but it's just your outlook, your outlook on other people. Because you will find offense if you want it. If, if you don't get a text back, you may think, oh, what a jerk, they don't care. Or put it this way, maybe they're just busy. Maybe they even, can I put this, present, present this to you, that you're in a conversation with someone they didn't text you back. Maybe they opened it, and they read it, and they wanted to give a thoughtful response. But if they replied right then and there, they wouldn't be able to give a thoughtful response because they really care about you and know that you deserve a thoughtful response rather than K. <laughs> or the new thing now or liked your message. Maybe they actually wanted to give a thoughtful response, but then they closed it. Then they got distracted with something at work and then they got four more text messages and now it's at the bottom. They don't even see it anymore. And then when you text them back, they say, hey, bro, did you get my text? You could look at it as maybe they just forgot, maybe something happened, and you could just send a courtesy reminder. Hey, man, would love to hear back on you this, this thing that I sent you a few hours ago, a few days ago, a few months ago. <laughs> but does that make sense? Like, I'm gonna think the best about someone, and I'm gonna think they, they, they have a lot on their plate or they're just, they have some stuff going on. Who knows? Maybe they just stink at returning texts. I'm not gonna let that get in me. Because you can't control them, but you know who you can control? Yourself. Amen. See, Jesus thought the best of people. He thought the best of you. That even when you were still a sinner, he chose to die for you because he looked to the reward. He looked to the potential beyond the pain. Because that's what love is. First Corinthians 13, four says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. See, to love people, you gotta be first to apologize. And this, this I'm gonna speak to some of my men in here that an apology is not you just going, I'm sorry. There, I said it. I'm sorry. And this isn't even apologies. This is talking to everyone in here. When you say, I'm sorry that you feel this way, that's not an apology. I'm sorry that this hurt you. See how I take it, twist it, and spit it back at you. See, this is your fault that you're offended about what I did. I'm sorry that you, you know what a real apology looks like? And it takes a humble person to be able to do this, to say, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for, you take ownership. I'm sorry for speaking this way. Be specific. And then when you conclude it, say, will you please forgive me? Very basic stuff. But it's important. Marriages fail, not because of lack of love, lack of forgiveness. And then when they forgive you or you forgive them, don't bring it back up. Proverbs 17, 9 says, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Because when you forgive someone, let it stay at that. And if you feel like it keeps coming back, well, maybe I just didn't really forgive them. I know I said I forgave them, but here I am three months later and it's still festering in me. Maybe I just didn't really forgive them, so they gotta say sorry again. I mean, what are you doing to that poor person? If you keep feeling it after you forgave them, and you said, I forgive you, and you keep feeling that, that's a matter between you and God. You bring that to God, or maybe bring it to a counselor. Counselors are good too. Say, I just can't get by this. I just can't figure this out. Maybe there's some undealt trauma, undealt pain that hasn't been resolved yet. And I wanna be able to just give you some four quick things of, of what I've discovered to be enemies of relationships. And uh, I'm gonna ask you actually that you uh, stand to your feet um, because I feel like there's a level of engagement that can happen um, when we are standing to our feet. And this is where I feel like the Holy Spirit really wanted to direct this. A lot of that stuff was, was really like groundwork um, to be able to lay to you what a, a healthy relationship looks like. And uh, some of it, this is just a, 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 the surface of having good, healthy relationships. And there's so much more that goes into it. But I wanna take a moment, I just wanna share with you uh, uh, four things that are enemies to relationships. Uh, number one, opinions. Uh, when you say, I love so-and-so, but, um, no matter what you say after that, separates friends. So if I were to say to you, I love my wife, but, what I'm doing right now is, I'm putting what I think about her onto you, and I'm actually destroying your receivability from her. So I am destroying someone else to you. So when I say I love so-and-so or I care for so-and-so, but be careful what comes after your but. That'll be a different teaching. Maybe next year when we, you know. Just be careful when you, what comes after. I love so-and-so, but. Number two, this is what really destroys as uh, uh, an enemy of relationships is gossip. The Bible says that where there's gossip, there's every other kind of evil because God knows the, the division that gossip can cause. And he is after a unified church. See, the devil isn't afraid of a big church. He's not afraid of an influential church. He's afraid of a unified church. 
The devil is after our unity. He's after the person next to you. He tries to get us to take our eyes off Jesus and put our eyes on ourselves and start comparing ourselves. Start comparing our, 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 our tire to one another. You know, this is Gary and this is me. This is just me. I just try to be me, you know? And you try to be you. And we love Jesus together. But when we get our eyes off of Jesus and start putting up on ourselves, that's when we start talking about each other. And you know it when it's happening, when I'm tearing down someone else to someone else. And here's a great practical uh, uh, piece of advice for you. When you're talking about people, if you can't say it directly to their face, you're better off not saying it at all. Because I can talk about encouraging things to people all day to their face. But when I'm gossiping about them, I, I take it like this. Treat every conversation as if it's recording, recorded. And maybe it'd be beneficial for you to record yourself. Not for anything else other than for you to listen to yourself and know I'm recording this to myself about how I talk about so-and-so. But instead of even gossiping negatively, how about we practice this? Let's try to gossip good things. Huh? I think we are so slow to encourage and so quick to condemn. And if we just took a moment just to talk, imagine what that would do for someone. Hey, you know what I heard about so-and-so? He really loves you. He thinks you're really gifted. And I'm not talking flattery, you know, that he met you and he felt like he had a really great spirit on you and he looks forward to getting to meet you some more. Just that talk. Hey, you know what I heard? Talking to your kids, you know what I heard about mommy? Mommy says you are the most favorite people to her in the whole world. And that she can't wait and she loves to hang around you guys. Imagine what that does for the kids. You know, let's learn to gossip good things about each other, amen? We're not gonna do these in the next few verses, um, but uh, the Bible says in Matthew 7, just ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find because you will find good things about people if you look for it, and you will find bad things about people if you look for it. Shoot, you gonna find bad things about me if you look for it. I'm gonna do my best to try to find good things about you, because I'm gonna look for it. Number three, this is an enemy to a relationship, is isolation. I, I, I understand it, it's easy, especially nowadays in the technological era, we can pull out our phones and we can completely disassociate with people right in front of us and start associating with people halfway around the world. Isolation is so easy. Fight it. Fight it. Put the phone down. It can wait. Put the TV down. It can wait. Be present. Number four is a lack of vulnerability. Lack of vulnerability. Can I tell you, honesty and transparency is crucial to have a healthy relationship. One that you're not just venting to, but you're accountable to because you can go all day and you can just vent, 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 vent. But if you're not accountable to that person, that's not a real relationship. See, honesty and transparency is never an excuse though to not be transformed. Because we were saved, but our life is a journey. And salvation is where our journey starts, it's where it begins. But God wants to take us deeper and closer each and every day. Don't just go off and say, well, that's just me, I'm just like that. That's not an excuse not to be transformed. Let the Holy Spirit transform you. And this is what I want to close with right here. This is the second close. This is two of four, so don't get comfortable. First John 1, 6 
says this, that if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Do not walk in darkness. If you do, you lie and do not live out the truth. Walk in the light. See, walking in the light means that we have to be honest with one another. No filter. Hey, this is what I'm going through. How can I support you in your season if I do not know what you're going through? How can I partner with you in praying for healing if I don't know you're going through sickness? How can I pray for your marriage if you're always going around saying, yep, everything's perfect? How can I support you in your journey of infertility if I don't know that you're wanting a baby? See, if you don't share, you may end up going through things alone that you were never meant to. This is why it's important to surround yourself. Now, I don't have all the answers. I don't, God does. But I can make a commitment that we can walk through this together. Let's see it through to the other side. That is why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people, speak openly and honestly with them, and your relationships will grow stronger. It doesn't make you weak to open up. It surrounds you with the people who will be in the fire with you when it comes. It's different than just posting a post on Facebook or even in our church, just something in the random channel saying, hey, need prayer, going through this. This is picking up the phone and calling a friend, saying, hey, I'm really going through it right now. Not just sending a random message, hope they get it. Maybe they did get it and they're like, I really need to talk to this person, but I can't right now, so I'm gonna give it some time. And maybe they ghosted you. Pick up the phone and call them again. Give them another shot. Give them another shot. Give them another shot. You know, let time work itself out. I'm not saying that you keep beating your head against the wall, but even just having an honest conversation like, hey man, are we friends? That's okay to have. That's okay to be able to have that conversation and then find it somewhere else. Find it within someone else and be able to be open. Hey, this is what I'm looking for in this relationship. Like I had a friend that he, he was, uh, he would go down to certain streets to buy drugs. And I told him, I said, if you are ever down that street again, I need you to call me. I don't know when you're at your lowest, but I'll drop everything I'm doing and I'll come pick you up and get you out of there. And it breaks my heart to have a conversation months later saying, yeah, I just never called you. Because what is available to you is a phone call away. What is available to you is a prayer away. Take it. I look at it this way that um, as people, we're called to be mature Christians, not baby Christians. See, babies just sit down and cry, wait for people to feed them. It takes an adult to get up and get some food. There's baby Christianity and there's mature Christianity. Well, I'm gonna be here for a few weeks and I'm just gonna see and I'm gonna leave and see if anyone notices me. I mean, there's such a self-centeredness about that if anyone notices me. How about you take a moment to notice someone else? And what you will find that as you refresh others, you will be refreshed. See, you cannot receive fruit. You have to make a commitment to see it grow. So commitment is faithfulness, commitment to your marriage, commitment to your friendships, commitment in your church, commitment to your families. See, we look for everything that we want and we live a low level of commitment lifestyle. 
and we forfeit God's work in our lives because God doesn't call you to be comfortable in your life. He calls you to a powerful life. And a powerful life is usually opened up by vulnerability. If you're hungry, you can eat. And as a church, we wanna value your development over your comfort. And I just wanna leave this here that, that everyone is not against you. And if you think that everyone is, stop thinking that. Because you will start to see times when people have reached out, times when people have contacted you, because you will find what you want to find. And I want to leave it at that, that not everyone is against you. And they won't be. Start looking to see the times where people have came up, hugged you, high-fived you, reached out to you, texted you. And open up the door to receive again. Because what we've learned is we've learned to guard ourselves, and that's why we can't receive again. And I just want to close with this. This is the last thing I have here, is that um, I want everyone to pull out their phone. This is the one time in church where you can pull out your phone. Just joking. You can take notes on it. Text people if you want. Can I borrow your phone, bud? Thank you. I got an Android. It folds, guys. The Apple guy says. All right, so open up your camera on your phone. Everyone got it open? I can see you. <laughs> All right, so now open up your camera and turn it to where it's facing you. But don't do it like this. Do it like this. You know? And I want you to take a picture of yourself on three. Ready? One, two, three. All right, now go to the photo. Go to the photo stream. Open it up. You see that person? That's the person that you can control. It's not about controlling the other person next to you. You can't control them. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids even but you can't control how you react and respond to your kids. You can't control yourself. And I wanna take a moment and I wanna be able to pray for everyone today that we would be able to see ourselves the way the Father sees us because he says, I pray that you would love them the way that I have loved you. And in order to give the love of the Father, you have to understand how much you are loved. And so I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would feel, reveal that to us today. Would you lift your hands real quick? Let me pray over you. God, I came before you. We come before you right now, God. I delivered the word that you wanted me to share. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Start to bring hearts in alignment with your word. God, bring people close to you. God, start to pick out the little things, the little things that are in our lives that don't need to be there. Holy Spirit, you are perfect at this. Bring things up to us, God. When we are speaking too much or we're, we're, we're condemning people too much or we're speaking out in frustration and anger too much, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what you do best and that would be to convict us, God. Convict us into righteous living that we would know you, God, that we would seek you and that we would follow you. God, I pray that you would bring marriages together, God, that you would equip up with wisdom beyond our years, God, to know how to bring up our kids in the way that they should go. God, I pray that you would bless our families, bless our relationships. God, and we pray that you would be the center of them all. 
God, so right now, church, as we're going to go back into this song of worship, I just want you to lay anything, any insecurity, any kind of difficulty, frustration, striving of you trying to make things work, lay it at Jesus' feet today and say, God, I trust you with my husband. God, I trust you with my wife. God, I trust you with my kids. God, I trust you with my friends. So right now, God, I open up my life. I say, God, have your way. Use me. Shape me. Mold me. Transform me. As we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us, God. We give you all the credit and we give you all the glory. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, come on, let's close in worship this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.